Thank you, ladies. Let's turn tonight to the book of Jude. We'll be in the book of Jude, and I'll let you know what chapter in just a moment, but you can turn to the book of Jude uh, tonight, and uh, we uh, may look at the whole book this evening, so you can just settle in uh, the book of Jude tonight. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's only one chapter in the book of Jude, and uh, we'll be looking at a few verses there this evening. While you're turning there, I, I mentioned earlier the starting of our school, uh, Brian Christian Academy, in just a couple of weeks. And uh, in a couple of weeks, and I'm not sure the Sunday yet, I'm going to have a Sunday where we uh, focus on Christian education. And a Christian education has always been important. Uh, life is more, I believe it's more important than it has ever been. And I thank God for our school. I thank God for the product uh, that it has produced. And I, I think, I'm thankful for the way that it's growing. I want you to really pray uh, for all of our ministries, but pray for our school. Uh, we're having, part, as you know, part of our project is we're having uh, four of these modular classrooms. will be eight classrooms uh, that will be added to the school campus, and they'll be full. And uh, we have already talked to our architects about uh, draw, finding a way to, to see how we can expand the current building on there. And uh, so we're, it's exciting to see how things are growing. And then with the daycare being added as well. And uh, so uh, the school is growing, and I, I'm thankful for that and the opportunity we have uh, to, in, uh, to invest in the lives of young people. And I'll just mention, uh, since I'm on the subject, uh, those that are uh, in college, those are, that are praying about what God would have them to do. And if you don't know, uh, pray and ask the Lord if, if, if teaching, if Christian education is something that the Lord would have in your future, because uh, there's a great need uh, for teachers, a great need for those uh, who would invest uh, in others. And so uh, I'll mention that. Uh, but some of you, I know what you're thinking is like, Pastor, if you knew how much I hated school, and you remember, I'm the one that said, you said, whether you pass or not, you're out of here anyway. Uh, so, but do pray about it. It's amazing how God will put you in places that you never thought you would be. Uh, but uh, we'll look forward to that Sunday and putting our focus on, on that Sunday uh, for that Christian education ministry. Jude, chapter number one, I'm going to read, beginning with verse number 20, and we'll read down through verse number 23. But ye, beloved, of course, this is being addressed to Christians, to believers, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Tonight's going to be one of those messages that uh, I bring just to remind us of some things. Uh, we have been in several series. We've been in a series on Sunday morning. We'll continue in that for several more weeks. We've been in a series on Wednesday night. We'll continue in that for several more weeks. And much of my teaching, uh, whether it be on Wednesday night or an occasion on a Sunday night service, has been about the importance of doctrine, the importance of holding to the faith. Uh, why, why, why that emphasis? Well, doctrine is important. Um, and the Bible tells us that in the last days, there's a lot of talk about, which is the last days, this is the last days, the last days, the last days. Well, today we're closer to Christ's return than we were yesterday. And tomorrow, if he doesn't come back tonight, we'll be closer to Christ's return than we were today. Uh, it is the last days. But part of a uh, sign of the last days is a falling away. 
Those that have the faith have the truth, and they give it up and they fall away from it. So I believe we have a greater responsibility. We need to put a greater emphasis on what we believe and why we believe it. But tonight's going to be a reminder of why faith is important, because there, is, there are eternal souls at stake. There's a lot of sincere people who sadly will die and go to hell because they have put their faith in the wrong doctrine. They have put their faith in the wrong belief. And I remind you often, I remind you once again this evening, there's not more than one way to go to heaven. There's not more than one true faith. And the book of Jude reminds us uh, that the faith once delivered. It was not delivered again to Constantine. It was not delivered again to Joseph Smith. It was not a livid, uh, delivered again to Muhammad. It was delivered one time. And there is one faith. There is one way to heaven. And the devil, in his slyness, changes doctrine, wants to change the belief, because, as we see in our text tonight, I want you to look at verse 23. I want you to notice that phrase, pulling them out of the fire. I'll make a statement, and then I'll pray, and we'll get into the introduction. I'll be very practical this evening, and uh, we won't be, well, let you out before dark. I'll say that. Uh, I'll be very practical this evening. <clears throat> um, but doctrine is important because there are eternities at stake. Churches that have bad doctrine, people aren't getting saved. They can, they, can, they can promote, we had such and such decisions for Christ. They're, they're not, it's not salvations. Uh, we had this in many, oh, we had this big baptism day and all these people. They're not conversions. Say, Pastor, how can you make a judgment? I don't have to make the judgment because there's one faith. There's one way to heaven. It's safeguard uh, what we believe and to uh, choose uh, where we are going to uh, put our membership, if you will, when it's based on our doctrine. We live in a day where there's too many that, that choose a church based on convenience. They, they choose a church based on program. They choose a church based on comfort. And we ought to be choosing a church based on, is it line up with the Bible? Um, and in doing so, people will be saved. So I'm going to preach on that tonight, pulling them out of the fire. Father, I pray uh, that you would help us tonight. May we be reminded of some things that uh, probably all of us are aware of. But maybe uh, the way that they are uh, presented tonight might be a little bit different to make us think, uh, make us be reminded of some things. And Father, ultimately, uh, we are here uh, to tell others about what your son did, to tell others about the need of salvation and the way they can have salvation. As a church, we are reminded that we're the, uh, the pillar and ground of the truth, and uh, we stand on the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, may we uh, realize that, may we protect that, may we propagate that, may we realize the importance of holding to what we believe. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. The book of Jude is known mostly for giving warnings about false teachers and false teaching. I remind you what verse number three says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, I've taught this in the past, but just to remind us very quickly, that word common salvation, common, does not mean that it's not or extraordinary. It's not special, because we know salvation is. Common salvation means it's available to any man. It's not exclusive to one group of people. 
Uh, this verse right here takes the false doctrine of Calvinism and disputes it, the fact that uh, some say that God has condemned some already to heaven and God has condemned some already to hell. You won't find that in the Bible. You'll find that in books, but you won't find that in the Bible. It's a common salvation. If you're not saved tonight, uh, you don't have to be, you don't have to line up and say, I don't have to be, I'm not, I'm not like them, or I have never grown up in church. You can trust Christ as your Savior. You can be saved. So we talk about that common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. Uh, we are to contend for the faith. Faith is important. If there was, and then notice what it says, which was once delivered unto the saints. I've already commented on this. The faith was delivered once. So if there's a common salvation, it's a salvation for anybody who wants to be saved, and everybody, if there's a faith once delivered unto the saints, why isn't everybody on the same page? But it's because the devil has doctrines too. We've looked at that on some Wednesday nights. There are doctrines of devils. But I remind you that the book of Jude speaks much about false teachers and teachings. If we were to continue reading, verse 4 starts, For there are certain men crept in unawares, and I won't read any further than that because of time tonight. But Jude has some very pointed things to say about those who teach false doctrine. He has some names that he ascribes to them. He has some characteristics that he ascribes to them. Jude, if you read the book of Jude, and if Jude was living in our day today, he would not have a Joel Osteen book on his bookshelf. He would not have a Rick Warren book on his bookshelf. He would not be fond. His, his wife would not be reading Beth Moore or Joyce Meyer. Uh, he would not be tolerant of some of the independent Baptist compromise either. He has some, why? Because it's the faith. Our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude speaks very, very pointedly about those things. And we're to be reminded of that. But the point I am getting to tonight is there is a reason. One, uh, it is, our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. One, there is one faith. But as we get in the, in the context I want to put it in tonight, as we come to the end of Jude, and some of the most pointed things about false teachers are in this book. He concludes this letter, if you will. He concludes this book with reminding us that there are souls at stake. I've taught much this year, as I've already mentioned, as you know, on the faith. In the direction that we are not going, which is away from the faith. Pastor, why do you make a big deal? Why do we have to make a big deal? Because there's eternal souls at stake. And I want to remind us tonight that there are some who still need to be pulled out of the fire. The pastor, if you pulled out of the fire, well, before you were saved, you needed to be pulled out of the fire. Because while we still are living on this side of eternity, positionally, as far as God is concerned, those that are saved are already in heaven with him, and those that are lost, they're already in the flames. It is inevitable they are dead in your sin, their sins, just like you and I were dead in our sins before we got saved. And so there are some that still need to be pulled from the fire. Maybe be reminded as God's church tonight that it is the purpose of the church. That is the purpose of the propagation of the gospel. And tonight we are not Baptists just so we can pound our chest and say, we're Baptists, we're right. We're Baptists because we line up with the Bible. But the purpose 
of being a Baptist is so that we have a faith, so that we can preach that faith, so that there's some that can be pulled out of the fire. Catholic doctrine is not going to save anybody. Uh, Muslim doctrine is not going to save anybody. Methodist doctrine is not going to save anybody. This emerging church doctrine today is not going to save anybody. A bloodless gospel that John MacArthur espouses is not going to save anybody. It is the faith that saves. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that saves. Why do we make a big deal about doctrine? Because there's some that still need to be pulled out of the fire. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you four statements tonight as we look at our text. And we have to focus on doctrine. And I want us to be reminded about pulling those out of the fire. Number one, let me say, I want to put attention on our personal responsibility. But ye, look at verse 20, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. We have a personal responsibility to build up ourselves. There's a, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of Christians who they can say, they can pull out their, their Baptist membership card. They're not doing a lot to build up their faith. They're not doing a lot to build up their relationship with God. You know, I, I say we're a Baptist because of the faith, but just by having a Baptist label for a quote-unquote denomination doesn't make you saved. And it doesn't make you right with God. We might have the same, we might have the right doctrine according to the word of God, but that don't mean you're close to God. So we have a responsibility you know, well, I, I, bless God, I know I got the Word of God, and, and we've got the faith. Well, how much have you read that book? There's a lot of Baptists, quite frankly, tonight, that tote around their King James Bible. They just don't read it very often. They're not built. We have a responsibility to build up ourselves as Jude reminds us, on the most holy faith. What is another responsibility we have in verse number 20? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Power comes through prayer. You show me a Christian that has power with God, and I'll show you somebody who prays. And quite frankly, those that do not have power with God is because they do not pray. You want more power with God? Pray more. It's praying in the Holy Ghost. We have a responsibility. If you and I are going to stay true to this book, then we must constantly be building up ourselves. Building up ourselves. I'm not proud to be a Baptist just so I can look down my nose at those that are not and, and, and look at the side of con condemnation on them. That's, that's, that has nothing to do with it at all. I'm Baptist. I'm proud to be a Baptist. I'm not ashamed to be a Baptist. I believe we're right by the word of God. But I have a responsibility not just to say, hey, I'm a Baptist, and I have a responsibility to build up myself in the faith. It doesn't do us any good to say this is what I believe and then we don't, we're not practicing what we believe. Let me put it in this regard. Those that have false doctrine, are they more faithful to their traditions and religion than you and I are to the truth? You know, I'm going to keep it very light and simple tonight, and so I'll move quickly through this illustration. You take the Mormon church. Their young people put everything on hold including Division I scholarships, including medical school. 
to work a two-year mission for the Mormon church. And generally speaking, if a pastor ever, in a lot of cases, suggests to a young person, hey, why don't you go to Bible college for a year? It's like you ask them to just, just be a martyr for the faith. We have the truth, do we not? We ought to be building ourselves up in it. We ought to be praying in the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 21, and keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Are you looking for the Lord to come back? Are you looking for his return? Are we keeping ourselves in the love of God? Are we keeping ourselves where we should be in our relationship with him? Let me ask you tonight, how's your relationship with God? People don't leave the truth of the word of God for false doctrine. The Holy Spirit's never going to lead somebody from the truth to error. Okay, let me tell you how people get there. Sin. I'll put up with some different doctrine because that preacher's not going to preach on sin. I don't mind having a book that's not the Word of God. The power's not there because it doesn't convict me of my sin. Or I, 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 I can... I don't need church. I don't need, I can, I'm saved. I can, I'm, I'm my own. Um, we have a responsibility to keep ourselves in the love of God. So I want to remind us of our personal responsibility. Then number two tonight, this is where I want you to give me your heart and your mind the next couple of, of, of statements. We see in verse number 22, and, have, and, some, and of some have compassion. Statement number two tonight is for some, if we're going to pull them out of the fire, for some it will take tenderness, and compassion. Uh, this is missing, in my opinion, in the life of the average. Now, I do not think the Maine Baptist Church is average. And the average Christian, tenderness and compassion for those that need to be pulled out of the fire is missing. We know what we believe, and we should. But there needs to be some tenderness and compassion because some, that's the only way they're going to be reached. When I taught for that year on the false doctrine of the emerging church, and I've reminded us since then that one of the reasons why I teach on these things is so that we don't get pulled away, but also so that we'll be better equipped to win those that have been ensnared in it. Quite frankly, if you'll permit me to say this, when it comes to that subject... I don't know many more that knows more about that subject than I do. It's, it's been a long time since a month has gone by when I have not been contacted by somebody to ask questions about that emerging church movement. I have educated myself. I say that to say, my, the point of educating myself in that is not so that I can condemn somebody who is ensnared in it. It's so that I have the wisdom and with the Holy Spirit's help, perhaps I could navigate the error and by the power of God, hopefully snatch somebody out of the fire. In this day, when the divide is getting wider and wider between Bible believers and Bible rejectors, we must never lose our compassion for those who have been deceived. 
Now, this book is very clear. In the book of Jude is very clear. The Bible is very clear on this subject. Those that would teach the false doctrine, those who are the apostate and they lead the truth and they embrace the error and they teach it to other people. The Bible is very clear about where they fall in the judgment of God. The Bible is very clear as a, as a preacher I'm to stay away from them. I'm to guard the church that I pastor from those false teachers. Say, huh, would, you, would you get your, if you, if you ran into some of them, would you get your picture taken with them, put them on social media? I wouldn't speak to them. I wouldn't be nice to them. Say, so why is that? Because their teaching is sending people to hell. But... I run into people all the time who attend churches like I describe. Somebody's got to love them enough, have compassion enough to pull them out of the fire. It's been very easy, and I've touched on this a lot in this polarizing day that we live in, and the politics has just made it a little more obvious, but behind the politics is truth and error is the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist. That's really what it comes down to. And by the way, I'm just going to help you. The Democrats are not in control. There's a prince and the power of the air. Who's calling the shots? The prince and the power of the air is calling the shots. The day is, and we were told that. That's why we've got to put on the armor of God. Now the day is coming when King Jesus is coming back. But until then... This is the day we live in, so what are we to do? We're supposed to have compassion. Compassion. You know, the last political cycle, well, all the way back to 2016, why don't you get more involved in, in this and this and that? I just figure the more people we get saved, if they get saved and start growing in the Lord, they're probably going to vote right. They're probably going to figure that out. That is the purpose. That is the focus. Uh, we have to have some tenderness and compassion. People we deal with that need the gospel, you must care and they must know you care. You know what we need again in our, in our Baptist churches? We need some tears shed over people who are lost. If you've got a loved one who is lost and you have them on our prayer list, you ought to have them on our prayer list. But when's the last time you shed a tear over them? When's the last time we shed a tear over the fact that I break our, you know, I don't know, this has happened to you, I'm sure. There have been times when I've talked to individuals and, and they, they're lost and they'll tell you they're lost and they have nothing to do with it. And sometimes they say things, it just makes me mad. We should never walk away mad and say, well, just go to hell then. That's how we feel sometimes. It ought to break our heart. I wonder what would happen in the midst of that, the compassionate Christian couldn't hold a tear back. I wonder what would happen if we called our loved ones and the compassion. Oh, they, they know. There used to be a day when there wasn't much difference between how all the quote-unquote religious lived. Those days are gone. They know there's a difference. But I wonder if some shun because in some cases we don't have the compassion that we ought to have. And then the next statement, number three, 
I said number two, for some it will take tenderness and compassion. No, number three, some it will take just the truth and boldness. 20, verse 23, and others say with fear. Sometimes we must love people. We have to love people anyway. We love them to the Lord. You'll know what I mean. But sometimes it's just the boldness of the facts and the reality. If you'll per- permit me to use this as an illustration, there's sometimes I'll, I'll come to the pulpit on the Sunday morning and the Lord has impressed on my, upon my heart just to preach on the love of Christ and the compassion and the tenderness and preach through tears how Jesus died for all men and preach through tears how Jesus can save any sinner. And then there's other times when God sends me to the pulpit to preach on that horrible place called hell. And it is just the reality of the terror of the Lord and the judgment of God and how no man's going to escape it. It's amazing. You say, Pastor, I wish you would just always preach through the, t- through the tears and there's some who are moved by that. But there's some tears aren't going to move them. It's the fear of dying and going to hell that's going to move them. And there's a movement today that says, oh, you got to be careful in how you preach on heaven and hell. And, and, you, and you don't want to be so confrontational with that. And almost like you got to trick them into to just choosing Christ. And that's why this, this doctrine is, 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 so, is so heretical. The fact they just want to show the love of God and the love of God. And yes, God is love. But if a man doesn't realize that he deserves hell, he's going to hell for his sins. He is not receiving salvation by just saying, I'm choosing a relationship with God. That's not how it works. And sometimes we've got to be told this is the truth. Now, remember back when I mentioned in verse number 20, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost? It is through the Holy Ghost we have discernment between the two. How do we know how to deal with people? How do we know this is an individual, especially you just meet them? How do you know it's love and compassion? How do you know it's the truth and boldness? You've got to have the power of God. You've got to have the Spirit of God. He helps you discern. Making a difference, yes, certainly pulling them out of fire makes a difference, but I believe uh, probably a stricter context of this passage of Scripture is making a difference between the two. And how do we deal with the two different groups? So we must have discernment in pulling them out of the fire. That is why we want to have compassion for others, and that is why uh, we, we go out week in and week out, and we as Christians have responsibility throughout the week when God gives us the opportunity to tell people the truth that there is a heaven, there is a hell, but Jesus died on the cross to pay for man's sins so that they, through salvation, can have forgiveness and spend eternity in heaven. That's our responsibility. Pastor, I told them and they rejected me. Well, how much do you love them? Will you tell them again? How much compassion do we have? This is true. We can take this further. I know we're talking about pulling them out of the fire, but once somebody is saved, how much effort do we put in to get them back to the house of God so they can grow? Pastor, I went by once. How many times somebody come by your house? How many, how many times did somebody put in the effort with you? We've got to have compassion, and yet we have to be willing to say the truth. Then I give you number four. 
And this is critical. Verse 23, And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. The book of Jude says much about false teachers and false prophets, as we've already mentioned. The book of Jude reminds us of our personal responsibility. When it comes to pulling them out of the fire, some with tenderness and compassion, some with truth and boldness. Then in verse number 23, he says, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. We are to hate. But here's statement number four. We hate the sin but love the sinner. That's what the scripture is saying. We hate the sin, but we're to love the sinner. See, we get this backwards sometimes. Carnal Christians hate the sinner and love the sin. There needs to be a revival, quite frankly, in the homes of Christians today of hating sin. See, if you you hate it, you're not going to flirt with it. If you hate it, you're not going to let it in your house. You're not going to have it in your car. If you hate it, you're not going to let it get close enough to, to hurt your children, to hurt your family, to destroy your own life. Quite frankly, we need to be, develop a hatred for sin. But we must never confuse that with the sinner. We must continue to hate sin. And I promise you, with God as my helper, your pastor will continue to preach against sin. Even those that have become accepted as norms. Because sin destroys Sin offends a holy God. Sin destroys a life. And quite frankly, you ought to, you, we must be thankful that we're part of a place where sin is preached against. As I look at the children that run around this place, I look at the young people who sit in our services and, and go in and out of our ministries. Even this evening as I was over in my office and all of the kids coming in and coming out, Amidst the wrong notes of the band or the, the you know, playing the orchestra playing there, I could hear the kids laughing and, 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 and cutting up in the room across the hallway. Sin will destroy them. Sin will take away their future. Sin will leave them broken and care nothing about them. We must warn against sin. Mom and dad, don't be afraid to stand against sin. Don't be afraid to to make the rest of your family mad because you're going to protect your children and protect your marriage and protect your home from sin. We must hate it. And quite frankly, even amongst Baptists today, we need to hate the sin of alcohol. We need to hate the sin of adultery. We need to hate all these things that have become the norms, supposedly, even amongst Christians. But I hate it. I hate alcohol. I hate it. I hate, the, I, hate the, I hate the smell of it. I hate the sight of it. I hate everything about it. I hate what it does to people. I hate the fact that it makes orphans. I hate the fact that it divides and destroys homes. I hate the fact that it's destroyed our country. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. We must never hate the person who's enslaved by it. Quite frankly, I'm not interested in getting that backwards. It's amazing those that 
want to tolerate it, have no place to reach those who are enslaved by it. Have you ever drawn that conclusion? We're tolerant of these things. We live in a new day today. But yet the person who's been destroyed by it, you never see them down there uh, in, in the town, in, in, down in the gutter trying to give the gospel to those enslaved by it. We must hate the sin, but we must never hate the sinner. That's why when Christians stumble and fall, the Bible is very clear on how, you, how we respond to them as a church. And you can, people can say whatever they want to say. But somebody falls into this pastor. You, I've been your pastor long enough to know that I will come to this pulpit and I will preach against the things God are against. I'm not going to move the line that God has set. And if I must confront, I will confront. But I think my record also shows that there is a pastor here at Emmanuel Baptist Church that will go to whatever lengths to help somebody get back to God and help somebody be restored where they should be restored. We should never get to a place where, oh, they, they messed up, they blew it, they, they, they're done with it, and we turn our back on them. No, we must hate the sin, but always love the sinner. And don't miss this child of God. The two are tied together. If you hate the sin the byproduct will be for you to love the person enslaved by it. The byproduct of hating the sin will be for you to have a heart of compassion to try and help that person. It will be for you to say, I could never walk up and say that to them and tell them how it's going to hurt them and destroy them. I could never have that one if you hated the sin bad enough. You'd be amazed at how bold you would be in certain situations. We must love. And I think this is good for us to be reminded once again because we stand very firm on what we believe this book says. We have a day where, quite frankly, the media and the powers that be in this world work very hard so everybody hates everybody. But there's a group of people who should not fall into that. Oh, if you, if you speak out against same-sex marriage, you're a, you're a hate monger. No, no, no. Because one day, every one of us is going to stand before God and give an account of our life. And, 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 and we must hate sin. It'll cause us to weep over those who are enslaved by it. It will cause us to be bold in our witness and our stand. Our responsibility is to allow God to use us to pull them out of the fire. But we must have the right doctrine if we're going to do that. I've been in Jacksonville long enough to see a lot of things change. The traffic has changed. People who used to live 30 minutes out of town to get away from people, town has found them and passed them. And now you've got to move almost to Orlando to get out of town. It's changed a lot. 
been able to observe churches change. And it's amazing when, they, when a church stops taking a strong stand on sin, the doctrine is going right behind it. Or when they change their doctrine or get soft on their doctrine, the stand against sin is coming right behind it. I could give you example after example after example. We believe what we believe the Bible says. We must continue to stand on it because there's the responsibility of pulling them out of the fire. Let me ask you tonight, is there a group of people that just turn your stomach so much that you wouldn't pray for their salvation? That you wouldn't make an effort to reach them with the gospel? Oh, we, we all have certain things that are very hard for us to get over. And we shouldn't get over the fact of the sin and what it destroys, but we should always have a love for the person who's enslaved by it. Certainly the context tonight is with salvation, but when Christians fall into sin, may we all be reminded that but by the grace of God, may we be reminded we're all susceptible if we don't constantly build ourselves up in the things of God. But may we never get to a place, may we never get to a place where we look at a lost world and we're content with just condemning them. Condemning them in their sin. But may we make an effort to pull them out of the fire. We must hate the sin. When you hate the sin, you'll find you got a heart for the sinner. That's why those who flirt with sin, those who tolerate it in their life, that's why they're some of the last people to ever be a witness. Because that's what sin does. There, it's a shame in our nation and God, part of a lot, I believe, I believe the things that have transpired in the last year, God's allowed to happen because quite frankly, we deserve it. And make no mistake, God is judging and will judge America for some of the things I've already preached on. But you can add to the list abortion. Our nation shakes its fist at God and rebels. Well, well, you know, some people just think there's more than one gender. And these are the people who we're supposed to be trusting? And they're not smart enough to know that there's boys and girls? But all it is is shaking their fist at God and saying, you're not our creator. And I'm going to say more about this on the Christian Education Sunday, but, but there's no, there's no, there's no justification for a Christian to keep their children in a public school. Well, I, well that, I went to public school, I was okay. That's 1945 when you went. 
I mean, you and Laurel Ingalls shared, shared your schoolhouse. I mean, the day has changed a little bit. It's been a while. But part of, and, I, and I'm, just, I'm just talking tonight. We'll be done in just a second. It's part of why I warned you way back in the political thing. We're watching all the election. Don't you listen to that liberal media? But don't you listen to the right conservative media either. So why is that? They, they're right. I'm a Christian. I'm not a conservative. There's a difference. So whether well, it's conservative, no, I'm a Christian. I have Christian principles. I've just decided this recently. I don't want to be labeled as a conservative. Well, I'm a political conservative. No, I'm a Christian. I get my views on everything social from my Christian beliefs. Because those on either side want those on their side to hate the other side. And if I just listen, and by the way, this is just free night, you might want to turn off Fox News once in a while because everybody wants you to look at the other side, and even those on the right, they want you to hate those over there. And the context is, look at what they're doing. And yes, everything they may be saying may be true about those over there, but as a child of God, as part of His church, I have a responsibility to love them, have a responsibility to hate the sin but not hate the sinner. Quite frankly, I am not fond of our administration. I'm not fond of the White House. I'm not fond of Congress, either side of the aisle. But I have to guard my heart because I'm not supposed to hate them. I'm commanded to pray for them. I'm commanded to pray for their salvation. I mean, you see, I mean, we don't see many of them around here. And thank God for Florida. DeSantis, can I get a witness? And by the way, don't jump on this bandwagon, DeSantis for president. I want him to stay right here. Matter of fact, I have memories of my childhood. Maybe y'all seen this, and, and I'm not sure many who would bring Bugs Bunny to the pulpit. But I'm ready for that Florida to be sawed off from the rest of the United States of America. But what is our reaction when we see a Biden-Harris bumper sticker? I'm going to run them off the... <laughs> we must be careful that we're spiritual. Well, I don't, I don't know what you, Baptist boy, I don't know what you... Oh, we've got to hold to what we believe because we've got a responsibility. Our goal is to pull them out of fire. Pull them out of fire. I must know that I have a faith once delivered to the saints. I must know what that, that faith is. I must believe it so much that when something false is given, I know that it's not right. I must stay building my faith so I have that discernment to navigate. Why? Because my ultimate goal is not just to be, I'm right and they're wrong. My ultimate goal is to have the truth so that those that have been deceived, those that have been ensnared, I have an opportunity, if the Lord permits, to help pull them out of the fire by giving them the truth, by having the discernment to know, is this somebody that, that, that I've got to love to Jesus? Or is this somebody that the Lord sent me to tell you the truth, the unfiltered truth, that if you die in your sins, you're going to spend an eternity in heaven? And the Lord sent me to tell you that if you give your life to sin, it will destroy you. 
I've got to have that discernment. No matter what happens in this world, I'm to hate the sin, but I'm to love the sinner. You want to be convicted? Read the last words of the martyrs. And Jesus certainly set the standard as he was nailed to that cross, and he said, Father, forgive them. You think of the Apostle Paul, who we've studied a lot. The very people who are guarding him are going to take him to be executed. He's winning them to Christ. He's not cursing them. We must hate the sin. We must love the sinner. Tonight, just one of those messages just to remind us, keep us on track. This world will try and get us off track. Let's stay on track. God has used this church for decades to propagate the gospel so that others can be pulled from the fire. I think back to 1980 when my dad became the pastor here. This is the same, not the same physical Bible, but it's the same Bible. It hasn't changed. It's the same faith. It's the same message, pulling them out of the fire. Along the way, the devil's tried to distract us, hasn't he? Along the way, you hear the voice of those from the outside. We have a responsibility. We must keep our eyes on those that God would have us to reach. We must keep our eyes on those that God would have us use us to help pull out of the fire. While God has used us in that way in the past, I want God to use us in even greater ways in the future. We must build it on the, on the faith. We must build it on the Lord Jesus Christ. We must build it on His Word. We must continue to hate sin. We must continue to hate what sin will do. And I, I promise you, with God as my helper, I'm not going to get soft on sin. We must be warned against it. But I will make a covenant to you, Will. I promise you as well. I, won't, I, I have no intention of getting hard and hard-hearted towards sinners. Because we must hate the sin. But we must love the sinner. We must do all that we can. See, I've got to stay true to this book no matter who tries to get me to change. And it's very easy for me. Through the years, and especially in the last five years, there have been those I still love, I still, I still consider myself their friend, I have pulled away from, I have separated from, some have separated from me, but it's easy for me to do because I know there's going to be somebody who needs to be pulled from that fire. And if I leave this book, if I give them a watered-down version, they don't have any hope. Have no hope. Quite frankly, Christian, there's some that God would have you to reach. And we must know what we believe. And we must be willing to be used to pull them from the fire. Father, use the message tonight.